Hi, everybody. This is Jose Palomino with another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. And today we're going to do a quick recap of what we've been talking about the last several episodes, at least when I've been on solo. And I still very much enjoy interviewing our guests. We have some dynamic people from around the world who are experts in strategy, experts in content marketing, experts in sales. And then we always love to get owners and tell, who tell us their stories on business growth on purpose. So you know, if you've been following our podcast, that we try to mix it up, but always with an eye towards serving the owner leader who has to run a B2B company, typically in a couple of million to 20, 25 million in size, where they're not enterprise yet. They may not be surrounded by uh, a true C-suite of experts. And they have to figure out some stuff. They have great teams that they've pulled together. They're moving forward uh, with, uh, I, I think, a lot of talent, a lot of tenacity, but they want a little bit of inspiration. That's what we try to do here at Business Growth on Purpose. My focus as CEO of Value Prop for close to 20 years now has been working with owners just like that, figuring out their best approach, their best strategy to growth, how they can compete in some very competitive markets, some very commoditized markets, and how they can actually stand out in these crowded markets and win. And so this mini series of podcast episodes has been around the question of strategy, not strategy in the way that it might be taught at uh, B school. If you're talking about case studies for Bechtel or GE or these other fine companies that are massive and they, they move markets globally, uh, that's great. But what do you do if you're a $10 million contract manufacturer or you're a $15 million OEM? you provide a professional or industrial service and you're a few million dollars and you know it's a good business but you're not going to move entire markets right not realistically so we came up with a, a a simpler structure for you and basically it's answering five questions right so basically what are we going to what key measures are we going to set goals for track and forecast for and we call that establishing growth goals. So you start your strategy there. And remember, our, our definition for strategy is simple. It's the decisions you need to make around people, processes, and resources to accomplish your major goals. So we say those major goals are your growth goals. And these are things that you should be able to, uh, you should be able to track. So you should be able to look back in time and see what they are and how you're doing. You should be able to set a goal for them if you can track them. And you should be able to forecast them uh, in close to real time as the year unfolds. So a simple one and certainly a, a very good thing to measure is revenue. So if your goal was $6 million in revenue for the year, and uh, because last year you did 5.2, for example, and you wanted to take it up to six, and assuming every quarter is the same as every other, which I know most industries, there'll be some variance, but just for our example, you'd want to do 1.5 million each quarter. So that's your goal now. But if the first quarter you came out at 1.25, your forecast then, assuming the next quarter as you hit your goal, would then be 5.75. So your forecast would dip down below your goal. Then you have a question uh, to, to process, which is how do we increase our subsequent uh, quarters so we can actually attain our goal? 
But without a forecast mechanism, you can't really see that as clearly. And uh, so this is what helps you. So, so again, revenue is just one. And, and revenue matters. And yes, profitable revenue, we understand that. But revenue matters because it is the measure of how many sales you make. I mean, it's ultimately it's tied to units of sales. So you could do revenue, you could do units of sales. We also think margin is critical that you measure, uh, both as a percentage of sales and as a margin contribution number. So on 6 million, if you think you do 40% margin, then you, you're looking to generate 2.4 million in margin contribution. That's what you're gonna run your business on. Uh, so that's of course your, uh, your sale price less your cost of goods sold would be your margin simply stated. And then EBITDA, your true profit, uh, just how successful is your business from a profitability point of view? And then valuation, which you can do a proxy valuation of like four times EBITDA, just to see how that changes year over year. You may find some other key metric is uh, something you want to strategically strive for. So if you've had a, a difficult time getting production uh, done timely, and that's actually hurt your business. So you may have days late and add up all your days late for all your projects and bring that down to zero or even negative numbers, which means you're going uh, you're, you're actually delivering early, which means you have more capacity to sell more. So that could be a very good metric. Again, that's something you and your team can over a pizza discuss. Okay, what should we measure? Now, here's the thing to be very careful about. And it's a temptation. You say, oh, this measurement stuff is good. Let's create a dashboard. Let's measure this one. And then somebody else raises their hand and says, what about that other metric and this metric? And before you know it, your dashboard is made up of 27 metrics. Well, there's a reason why even while you know, designing cars or even fighter jets, you can't not have that many things on your dashboard because you can't process them and they don't become like visceral, internalized. They're just a, a mishmash of numbers that matter to different people at different levels. I do believe each responsibility like production and so on or sales should have their own metrics, but there should be some that drive the business. And the four we suggest, not dogmatically, you may find something that's better for you or that you need to include this year, but maybe not next year, is revenue, margin, EBITDA, and valuation. If you track those things, if you set goals for them, and you forecast them regularly, re-forecast based on actual performance so far this year, plus our goal is kind of where we think we're going to end up, you do that and get everybody focused on that it could really help drive your business forward. And then the next big question is, who do we need to connect with? Who, who, who's the who? Not just a, a big company demographic, like saying uh, people in aerospace or medical device companies, that's too broad. Look at your past successes and ask yourself, who have we had success with? What kind of buyer? Is it the managing director? Is it uh, vice president of uh, engineering? You know, whatever that title or role is, what kind of company? Where? What size company? Look at your history. If you're not a startup, look at your history. And if you are a startup, look at your personal history. Who have you had success with? Now, history isn't always prologue uh, because maybe you want to move into a different direction, but it's not a bad place to start. And even if you want to move into something somewhat different, Think about the kind of customers that work best with you, the ones who appreciate what you do, 
and the things that uh, the, the kind of customers that like the things that set you apart, which brings us to the next question. Not only identify your target customers, but how do you create unique value for those target customers? And not just value. Everybody who sells something that somebody's willing to pay you for creates enough value for them to pay you for that. So that's not radical in and of itself. You create value. Great. Is a unique value. If you're one of 47 companies selling the same kind of software, that's not compelling. So you can make the argument, we provide this value. Our software helps you count your, you know, chocolate flowing through your system uh, and, you know, weighs it by the ounce more accurately and faster uh, than doing it by hand. And there's 17 competitors that do the same thing. That's not unique. If you're the only one who can make that claim or there's a claim you are well suited to say we do this better and you can back it up that's unique value we often look in unique value and saying you know like is there what's your roi story do you actually make a financial benefit to your customers uh how do you reduce time uh in other words do you speed up their production or do you reduce the amount of time they have to spend doing the thing that you do do you reduce hassle kind of like the first cousin to time, not exactly the same, but tends to evoke some of the same emotions on the part of your buyer. And how do you reduce risk? If you answer those four questions, you probably will find a way to create unique value. And more recently then we said, how do you connect with these target customers? Uh, what's your strategy to connect with them directly? How are you using social and the web to the degree it's relevant in your industry? Don't do Twitter just because you think you have to do Twitter. Your agency says you have to do Twitter. It only matters if your customers are moved by it or on it or interact with it. Don't start twerking on TikTok unless you find that's actually something your customers value. And then practice uh, and, and maybe get some help before you do it if you haven't done it before. And then content. Uh, content's a key way to connect with customers through your ideas, through your expertise. You don't have to write 17 page articles. It could be four paragraphs, something that's very helpful that they might not have known that they'd appreciate that you presented very succinctly. And then events in most B2B categories, there's some sort of industrial based event. There's probably several of them. If you're like in packaging, there's like 42 of those every year somewhere in the country. And, and the point is your prospects, your target customers, are they at those events? Do they visit them? Do they matter to them? If they do, you want to be there. Not necessarily with a $50,000 presence, you know, a 20 by 20 booth that you spend a lot of time and money on, uh, but be there and maybe use some budget instead of on the booth, use it to uh, for meeting schedules, to meet people for lunch, to take them out to dinner. If it's a nice venue, like someplace like Vegas from an entertainment point of view, take them out to Cirque du Soleil or something like that. Those are things you can do very creatively in leveraging events. And then always think about how do we expand the targeted customer once we get them? How do we do more with them? And the first thing is defining success, success in the mind of your customer. And then think about things you can, you know, how do you add fries with that? Maybe bundle the added fries so you make it just like it's a happy meal. Uh, think about uh, also the repeat business that could be turned into subscription business, something they might commit to upfront long term. These are all things you can do. So taken together, just discussing these questions, uh, you know, what should our targets be? What customer should we be aiming to serve? How are we going to 
set, us, set ourselves apart in the eyes of that customer, how we're going to connect with them, and how are we going to expand our relationship with them, increasing the value and volume of business we do with them. Then you have a growth engine brewing. Like this stuff is starting to go. The engine's firing. It can actually start working for you because you've answered the questions that matter most. And you can start making decisions then, okay, what do we need our people to be able to do? Do we need additional people? And by the way, these days, that additional person doesn't necessarily have to be a fully burdened headcount. It could be somebody on Upwork, depending on the task, on Fiverr, tons of service organizations, agencies, consultants, and so on that are available to do small pieces of that work. But it always works better if you have a vision for what you want to do there, how you're going to pull it together. So on that note, think about answering these questions, taking some time with your team. Certainly, as I mentioned before, feel free to reach out to me if I can be of help. I'd love to be of service. Uh, but these are the strategic questions that lead to a truly uh, strategic growth plan. So on that note, this is Jose Palomino with Value Prop, uh, wishing you the greatest success as you apply these principles to your business and grow your business on purpose. Take care until next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.